Welcome back, everybody, to the Star Wars podcast. Today, we are recapping Morbius in full spoiler details. So if you don't want those spoilers, I would get out now. But I don't know what you know right now. Um, this is going to be a pretty wild podcast because I have not seen this movie. Um, basically, what's going to happen here today is I brought a good friend on here to explain this movie to me because, uh, frankly, I don't want to watch it. It's just uh, the way it goes. Um, with that being said, though, I'm joined by a, a great friend of the podcast. Listen, I, I used to I, I don't do it anymore. Maybe I should. Um, but I used to shout this guy out on every single podcast because honestly, for like the first five or six episodes, this guy was like the backbone to making everything happen. He gave me all my advice. He helped me with editing. Um, he, he's just a, he's a great friend of the podcast, a great friend of me all around. It's my good buddy, Nathan Barnett. Nathan, how are you? I I am as good as you could be after seeing Morbius twice. W- one time where I was pausing it constantly for notes. And one thing that needs to be made abundantly clear for all of this, you said I'm explaining this to you. I mean, one does not really explain Morbius. It's more so like recounting the horror that befell before us here. Yeah, so if anybody has not picked up on Nathan's initial takes here... um. If you're like a Morbius fanboy, I I don't know. Like, should people be listening, Nathan? Like, uh, should should we just save them the trouble and say, hey, just watch, uh, go to the Moon Knight recap? I'm so I. This movie's weird because I don't hate it. Um, I I didn't like have a bad time watching it, but this is clearly bad. Like, I don't even know how you could argue that this is anything but bad. So where where does this fall for you, Nathan? Is this like a bottom ten? Because there's a lot of bad superhero movies. Yeah, it's bottom uh, ten. I heard no. I wouldn't even say that. Okay. I, I've heard the take lately that oh, Jared Leto, he's in the worst DC movie with Suicide Squad, and now he's in the worst Marvel movie. Now, if we're just counting MCU stuff, like, and this isn't MCU, but regardless, like, if that's what they're referencing, yeah, this is the worst. But if we're talking about other stuff, like, I would say New Mutants was worse than this. I would say Angley's Hulk was worse than this. And you could go on and on and on. There, There's other stuff that has definitely been worse. Okay, and that's a relief to hear, because, Nathan, here's the thing. Um, another good friend of the podcast, um, Robbie Freeman, been a guest on here a couple times, he has his own podcast. And he mentioned, and this is this is like the way he put it to me. He said that, um, well, not to me, to his audience. <laughs> um, what he said was basically in the same way that everybody overhyped the Batman, people are underselling Morbius. Can you see any truth in that? Is is the hate too strong on this movie? No. Uh, but the thing is, it's not really. I, I I don't like the wording there because you're not really underselling it because there's not much to sell. I mean, look at the trailers. They couldn't even be honest with the trailers. They couldn't conjure enough enough real footage to make this into a trailer. It's more so like if anything, the hype for how bad this is is overblown. Like, because I think based on the trailers, we saw potential for like an epically horrible movie that would go down in legends. Like amongst the Fant Four sticks out there, but this really isn't that. It's just bad. That's fair. So Nathan, and here's the thing: because I haven't seen this movie, I kind of have to throw it to you to kind of run this podcast. So, like, first and foremost, I feel like the proper way to start is like, um, obviously, the lead up to this movie. There were trailers. Um, there was interviews. <laughs> yes, there were. 
Um, so kind of take it from there. What, what was your like perspective coming into this? So this is fascinating. I cannot remember the last time I saw a movie with this level of dishonesty in the trailers, at least like from a, a big budget movie point of view. I went in when I saw this movie, I was baffled by how much trailer footage just wasn't in it. Um, and then I rewatched all the trailers for this movie to take notes on them. And there were even more discrepancies in there. And I'm not even talking about like, oh, this, this is an alternate take. Like, oh, uh, well, th that line was slightly different. Like, they cut that line. Like, whole scenes are missing. And whole, like, plot points are missing. Well, I, I would actually, here, here's my comeback. And again, not seeing the movie. Um, but I would consider that to be a good thing. And here's, here's my take on this. Um, I I am a constant defender of trailers on, on this podcast. Tommy is anti-trailer. He says it spoils too much. My take is you don't even know if all the things in the trailer are actually going to be in the movie. I use Rogue One constantly as an example. Um, basically, it got you the vibe of it, but there were so many shots in that trailer that were not in the movie at all. Um, is there any element of that to this movie at all? Um, well... Like, it didn't it, spoil the movie for you, in a way? Well, well so that's you... what's fascinating about this. You gave a spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode. This is like the opposite of No Way Home, where I don't know even if I wanted to spoil you what I could spoil. Like, the movie is as predictable as could feasibly be. Like, whatever you imagine this movie being, like, minus that by one, and that's what the movie is. I don't even know, like, what pl the plot is as basic as humanly possible. So the only things that it, like, quote-unquote, like, oh, it threw us off is that we thought there would be more to it. And I, I think that's the thing. That's, like, the only reason I considered seeing this movie. Um, because it, it, you know, there were so many things. Like, there was the poster and the trailer that hinted that Andrew Garfield was involved. And then the Oscorp <laughs> logo was the same. And then you get... You get um, Michael Keaton reprising his role as the Vulture. It's like, it seemed like, it basically seemed like the sequel to what we got from No Way Home. So if there was any excitement for me in later finding out that none of that would actually come true, um, it was the fact that this very well could tie into the MCU. So I kind of want you to touch on that a little bit, um, like the MCU connections or lack thereof. This movie is the, like, film equivalent of one of those students who got, like, a photo with Barack Obama, like, for some kind of college program, and they put that on their resume forever. Like, oh, I know Obama, like, or, like, a celebrity or something. This movie has nothing to do with the MCU, hardly at all. It, but they advertise it like crazy. Like, I took all these notes on this. It has a, a graffiti of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man with murder on it. That shot is not in the movie. A new Marvel legend arrives. Again, implying that this has something to do with the MCU. It does not. Um, the From the studio that brought you No Way Home and Venom, again, it brought you Venom and Sony was vaguely involved. Um, yeah, so all of these things, and these were in all of the trailers. There are lines between the Vulture and Morbius where it's like, oh, Dr. Michael Morbius, let me talk to you. You've been given a gift. I'd let go of what you used to be and discover who you're meant to be. Not in the movie. So I'm curious. Um, 
again, like as an MCU fan, I host an MCU podcast. It's very much what we focus ourselves on. Seeing Michael Keaton was exciting for me. No Way Home or Homecoming was one of my favorite Marvel movies altogether. Um, So I was excited to see this character back. Um, Can you explain maybe not so much his involvement in it, but um, does does he suit up? Do we at least get to see, uh, does he... uh, so you put on the wings again? Okay, so I will run through all of this with you because it's insane. Uh, so at the end of the movie, this is in the post-credits. Michael Keaton does not appear until the post-credits. Uh, it would have been like if you advertised the first Iron Man as, oh, Iron Man hanging out with Nick Fury the whole movie. Th- that's what this is the equivalent of because he is not in any of the rest of it. Um, so we first see they have two in credit scenes. And the first one just shows, like, with that portal that, um, in No Way Home, like, the sky opening up, it shows Michael Keaton being transported to whatever universe this is. And it just so happens he's transported to another jail cell, which seems incredibly (laughs) unlucky. Yeah. (laughs) Which, that's not really played for laughs. They're like, oh, it it makes sense. He's let out from jail, though, because he's not a prisoner in this universe. It's like, what? (laughs) And they just happened really... to build a prison in the exact same spot. And maybe that is the big thing to take away from this, is that the events of No Way Home not only affected the MCU, but that's news to me that it, it has now affected other universes. Like, obviously there were characters being brought into the MCU, but the fact that MCU characters are now being brought into somewhere else, that seems terrifying to me. Yeah, For many reasons. The reason why you didn't think of that when you watch No Way Home is because you didn't eat enough paste while watching it. Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. There, There's no rhyme or reason to any of this. And with the interviews with the director, he doesn't even know why this is happening. He said, oh, you'll probably learn in future installments. Wink, wink. Uh, so, so Michael Keaton, they're, they're like, oh, uh, Adrian Toomes, he's set for immediate release. And the next end credit scene is... Um, Morbius is called to meet up with the Vulture, and the Vulture is in full suit, and so they established, the director said, hey, just so you know, he didn't transport the suit with him, the suit is slightly different, and I transcribed exactly what Vulture said to Morbius, because it's fascinating. Thanks for meeting me, Doc. I've been reading about you. I'm not sure how I got here, but it has to do with Spider-Man. I think. I'm still figuring this place out. But I think a bunch of guys like us should team up and do some good. And then Morbius says in his Jared Leto cringiness, ooh, intriguing. Oh, oh boy. This is this is worrisome now. Like, uh... <laughs> I, I don't want to know where this goes. Um, so, I, I appreciate you recapping Vulture's involvement or lack thereof. Um, but again, like, I'm just, I'm throwing this to you at this point. Um, I want to get like, maybe we can go, maybe not necessarily scene by scene, but like point by point. How did this movie start? Like, uh, was there any hope at any point? Okay. So this movie starts, the way I describe this movie, honestly, is it's like a book without a binder. It's like just big parts of it and like connecting tissue is just gone the movie opens with more michael morbius played by the handsome jared leto um 
being transported to Costa Rica to get vampire bats. And you see this in the trailer. He, like, cuts his hand and a bunch of bats, like, fly in. And uh, he captures all of them. Now, throughout the whole movie, it comes across as though this is illegal, what he's doing. Like, oh, he, like, hired kind of a shady guy and he had to pay him off to get these bats. And later on in the movie, he has, like, dozens of vampire bats inside his office in this, like, comical see-through tube. And his assistant says to him, oh, you could, your license could get revoked if you have this, if anyone found out. Um, so my big question is, how does one transport several dozen vampire bats, both from country to country, and then inside an office in New York City, without anyone noticing? Listen, I'm not a mastermind criminal like uh, Morbius here. Um, which that being said, um, that that's a good point. I'm sure there's many many other moments like this in this movie that just don't add up. Um, I did. I, I thought of another question going back to uh, a review that I heard from Robbie Freeman, um, and we're we're gonna listen. We're gonna be bouncing around. Uh, it's not that serious, guys. Okay, that's I guess that's the point I'm getting at. That, that could be a review for Morbius. My God, don't take this so seriously. Um, well, actually, that brings up a different question. I'll get back to my other question. And here's my thing. I think this is like um, this has been an issue for mine with the Venom movies. Um, and it's also been a pro for some of the Marvel movies, like, for instance, Eternals. My big thing is um, I like when movies take themselves seriously. I like when it's like saying that uh, what we're doing here is really important. It's not making fun of it. Um, that's the reason I don't like Venom. That's the reason I like Eternals. So, Nathan, um, does this movie take itself too seriously or not enough serious? It is weird in that um i actually took note of every single time there's a joke in this movie because there are only a few but when they're there they're super jarring and they're not they're very much like that solo spinoff jokes where it's very very awkward and very daddy like esque in it like oh this is a dad joke being told like let me see if i can pull up a one of the first jokes in this um, I'm scared. I'm very worried about what, what this could bring. <laughs> okay, so we're on page two of my notes for the first time we get a joke in it. That's a oh, so he's with his girlfriend later on, and he has like a, a blood disease and he's looking like on the verge of death. And Jared Leto goes, uh, She says, You do look very handsome tonight. And he goes, Oh, the whole near death thing is very chic. I read it in Cosmo. Do they still make Cosmo? I don't know. Wait, that's a joke? Yeah. <laughs> that like they, they outright pause for the audience to laugh at that. <laughs> oh no, this is this is terrible. And the Tyrese and Al Madrigal, they put both play um like detectives in this and they're the comic relief that we get later on there's a scene with Matt Smith that's just a full on dance number. So it's really inconsistent in that it is very, like, self-serious in a way, but it just jarringly cuts to jokes, like, once every maybe 20 minutes. Oh. So it's the worst of both worlds. Like, it's unfunny, and it's also, like, hyper-serious. It really, really, like, 
no, this is awesome. Take us seriously. So, so I'll go back to my original question. I brought up Robbie Freeman. Um, so what, one thing he mentioned is there actually, he said that there are actually like some interesting action set pieces in this movie. Is that something you agree with? And if not, tell me the most interesting. Okay. There's one interesting set piece in the whole movie. Um, for me, he, uh, Michael Morbius is trying to get away from Matt Smith, and we'll get to that later on. Um, anyway, he jumps in front of a subway train and is just barely able to outpace it. Um, that was a legitimately like good conceptual scene. Um, the rest and of that, it we saw it, that in the trailer, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, the rest of it is comically like uninspired. We'll, we'll get to like just the action in general but this is a there are several reasons like what we're talking about like with the comedy aspect to this and all of this there's so many ways in which this movie is just really bad on a conceptual level and to a point to where i don't know what they were thinking making this i'm not even saying it like oh this is such a horrible idea it's just i don't know who this was made for because like so He's a vampire, and vampires drink blood, and that's a big plot point in this movie. You're making this for a PG-13 audience, and this is Sony, so they're not going to risk like pushing the boundaries of that. So therefore, whenever he's fighting anyone and sucking blood, it will awkwardly cut away or show it. Like th- there's a shot where he like slits the guy's throat, and the guy's like, oh, 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 and th- there's just no blood on it. Uh, big Uncharted vibes, if you saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't get why you would make a movie like with this concept and not be willing to show blood. That seems like a very basic thing. Um, and it's not even like Kong Skull Island, where like, oh, it's PG-13, but they get away with a lot. Like, no, this this could have easily been rated pg it's so tame in like every way. The only reason this is, could be considered like edgy is because the movie's like boom, boom, boom. This this is important, you guys. Come on. Um, another reason why I don't get why this movie was made is I don't know. Like, so who would want to watch this? Because it's not like sexy or fun. Like, the Venom, like, tried to be like, ooh, like, he has a girlfriend, and Venom, Tom Hardy, he's a hot guy, and, like, oh, it's kind of funny, like, the kids can relate to it, it's edgy, it's for teenagers, like, that kind of thing. Morbius, it's Jared Leto, who's not a popular actor. Uh, He's 50 years old, uh, like, walking around here. Is Jared Leto 50? Yes. You're lying. I looked that up, which is insane. Holy shit, okay. So, I don't... Like it, even with other bad movies like Suicide Squad, like I get it, it's made for horny teenagers. Like, there, it's this movie is very dumb. And if maybe if Jared Leto were like a little bit older, like if he was like a Vin Diesel type, you could say, like, oh, this is made for like the dads out there, like, oh, yeah, Morbius, cool, you know, that kind of thing. But no, I, I don't see the appeal for any demographic here. I mean, it seems like the entire pursuit of this movie and based on what we saw in the trailers 
they're straight up leeching off of the MCU in any possible way they can. Even if they show that Spider-Man poster and then they're told later, you have to take that down. That doesn't work for our future plans. <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do see like so, at least some creative approach here to say, Hey, this could be super important to something you like. Other than that, like, I feel like that is based on the marketing. That is the sole thing they hinged on for this movie. Uh, so I looked up several interviews with this director and you could just tell there's a lot of, there were a lot of issues between Disney and Sony with this movie. Um, one of which he says that, let me see if I could pull up this quote. So he, when talking about the marketing and that Spider-Man poster, he says, I make the movie and then some people make the trailer. When I make the movie, everything that I include in the movie, it's included. If it's not in the movie, it's because I don't think it should be included. So no, that's not in the movie. Um, and then he says, When we were making the movie, we also went through the part of Sony not being happy with Marvel. We were also halfway through making it, and suddenly there was this big fight between them. You have to deal with that. So you have these super multi-layered ideas in this, but you have this on all these movies because they're big movies. So that's him outright confirming that there was huge production trouble for this. And actually, I, I sympathize with this a lot because um, there was a Reddit post a while back about the rise of Skywalker and a lot of the issues they went through. And I've, I'm still waiting for a lot of the stuff to come out more confirmed because some of it has been confirmed and some of it hasn't. Some people seem like they might have been paid a certain amount not to talk about it for a little while. I don't know. It's, it's none of my business. But it seems like, again, a lot of the issues with these big studios is that uh, they bring on this director to make these very interesting and creative decisions, and then the studio comes in and says, this is all really great, but let's pluck this out, let's pluck this out, let's pluck this out, and let's put this in and put this in and put this in. At that point, you no longer have a cohesive story, which, I again, I could totally see that happening with this movie. I did have a specific question because we talked about this a couple weeks back. Um, it was fascinating to me that... Um, it seems like the director has lashed out a little bit. I know that he was on Twitter spoiling the movie long before it came out. So um, can you give us any insight into what he was mm -hmm. talking about and why he might have been talking about that? Yeah, this was a, me a week before the movie was released. The director just goes on a Twitter thread and spoils the whole movie. And to to be fair to him, or I don't know if this is fair to him or not. I just think it changes it. He definitely got clearance from Sony to do this. So the question is why? Like, this isn't a Josh Trank situation where they're like, immediately put that down. You can't say that kind of thing. So he clearly got clearance to put this out there. And the question is, why would Sony want their movie spoiled before it even comes out? Maybe it's because they anticipated no one going to see it. Which is a legitimate fear, as we'll get into later. So in this thread, he just outright gives away a lot of this he gives away all the vulture stuff um he talks about the vulture having his own suit like a different suit um he talks about all the multiverse stuff it was very bizarre i'm gonna have to dive into this after the fact because it seems very fascinating to me 
Um, with that being said, I do want to dive back into the movie a bit more. Um, you mentioned Matt Smith, and I know you're probably going to have a lot to say about this man. Um, but I'm interested, like, what you thought about his role altogether. Um, was was there any part of this that was fun? Oh, fun is the exact word I would use. So I cannot say this man did a good job with this role, because I don't know if one can do a good job with this role. This movie is kind of amazing in that most move superhero movies, both the superhero and the supervillain have a strong like motivation, a strong goal, like an end game. And even when they don't, like the other one normally does. So, like for example, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, it's a little unclear like what the Green Goblin wants to do like by the end of the movie, but it's very clear like okay, uh, Spider-Man he wants to stop crime, he wants to save people. Okay, that makes sense. Um, this movie is the rare case where neither of them have much strong motivation at all. Um, so Matt Smith, he starts off as uh, like Morbius's best friend um, in Greece 25 years ago. That'll be important later. So Morbius looks about like 13 years old in this. And I give them credit like during this opening scene. Of all movies, this one was able to get the child actor figured out. Like, for Morbius, this kid looks exactly like Jared Leto. To where I'm curious if they're, like, related or something. It's really impressive. Um, so anyway, they become friends. They have this rare blood disease, which is kind of like diabetes meets cancer, as far as I can understand. He says it's like an oil tune-up. You need to get your blood changed, like, three times a day. Um... But it also, like, causes, like, anorexia, and it's, like, debilitating, and you can't move. And this disease, as far as I'm aware, I've looked this up. I've really tried to find a name for it. There's no name for this illness in the movie, which is really bizarre, because most of the plot is about curing this illness. Um, so anyway, they're friends, and it, it's very, again, with the binder thing here, it shows, like, one scene of them being friends, and then immediately Morbius goes away. Like, his uh, head mentor's like, Morbius, you're such a genius. You need to share your genius with the world. And uh, Morbius is like, but what about Milo? And as far as we've seen in this movie, um, they have met for like maybe 20 minutes. It's insane that he would be hesitant to leave because of this kid he doesn't know. Um, but that's the crux of the story is that these, these two's friendship and eventually they both become weird superhero vampires and Morbius's motivation is he doesn't want Milo to kill everyone. And Milo's motivation is I'm evil. So I will kill everyone I want to. I'm not like being that reductive here. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's like the appeal of a movie like this right um it's the same with venom it's the same with the joker movie it's like wow we're going oh guess what we're not following a superhero here we're following a super villain um so uh, i guess that's my next question to you is is morbius a hero or a villain oh yeah that was hammered in marketing also uh it says the line between hero and villain will be broken and in in the trailer also, Matt Smith, another line that is not in the movie, he says, Morbius, it's time to be the bad guy. Fulfill your destiny. Like that whole thing. Um, so 
the Venom and Morbius, like this whole Venom verse is very weird to me because with Joker, the Joker is clearly reprehensible in that movie. Like, there's no debate with the filmmakers. Like, we're seeing it from his perspective, but he murders, like, a lot of people. So he's, like, very clearly a bad guy. And then I'm like, okay, he does, like, illegal things, but the vast majority of what he does is extremely noble. In this, Morbius does so little that I don't even know if you can count him as a hero or a villain, because it's much more just incidental. Like, oh, Matt Smith is chasing me down. I'll fight him. Um, oh, uh, I want to cure this disease. Guess I'll do that. It's He's not heroic or villainous, because either of those would require intrigue. <laughs> That's fair. Um, uh, again, this might be a little bit all over the place again, but I'm, I'm just thinking of, the, of these questions as they've come. Um, you mentioned that um, if there was any connective tissue in this movie between any other movie, for that matter, the big one you took away was the fact that it was tied into the Venom universe. Can you explain to me how that's the case? So there are a few incidents with Venom. Uh, first of all, in the trailer, you actually see this. And this is one of the few things from the trailer that they actually kept. What a novel concept. Uh, where one of the detectives, they're like looking on a scene. They said, wow, this is the craziest thing we've seen since Philadelphia, which that's referencing Venom. And I will say, I, I one thing I will give them credit for is in the movie, that cringy line where Morbius is, like, fighting someone, and they say, like, oh, who are you? And he goes, I'm Venom. <laughs> no, I'm Dr. Michael Morbius. <sighs> like, that whole thing. In this movie, he just says, I'm Venom. It, it, so it, it it's pointless, but it, it makes a little more sense in this context, I guess. <laughs> I mean, does that make more sense? I mean, at least in the trailer, he's making a joke. Uh, now, what? He, he just told somebody he's Venom? I don't understand. So, yeah, I, I don't get it either. I don't know why I was <laughs> even starting to defend that. If I had to defend it, I would say it's just throwing out, like, a random, like, name. Because he doesn't want them to know who he is. That's kind of the point uh, in that scene. So your number one defense of this movie is something that makes <laughs> almost no sense at all. That's fair. I'll accept it. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to throw it to you at this point. Um, what, what else are we missing here? What else is worth talking about in this movie? Is it uh, either maybe maybe a good thing or maybe a bad thing? Well, what's next here on the agenda? I'm just going to run through the plot with you because this is a very interesting movie with the plot. So we, we've talked about him in Greece 25 years earlier. Um, and again, I estimate that at the very oldest, he was 13. Wink, wink. That will be an important point later. Um, so... They cut back to, like, the present, um, where, uh, wait, before that. So, when they're talking, not only is it comical that Milo and Morbius, like, they become friends, like, over, like, one scene, but in the very same conversation, Milo's just life support just breaks out of nowhere within, like, the first 30 seconds, and Morbius is like, nurse, nurse, come and save him! And, like, no one comes to save him, because why would they do that in the hospital? Um, and Michael just grabs the ballpoint pen and fixes this life support machine, like, instantaneously. Um, so that was really funny. I laughed in the theater with that. That was not the intention, but it was good. Um, 
another thing that was represented horribly in the trailer. So there's a scene in which, um, and this is Milo's whole alleged motivation for this movie as the villain. He uh, was bullied. Like people were beating him up outside at one point. In the trailer, they show that to be Morbius. In the real movie, it's Milo. Um, And because of that, now he wants to kill everyone later on. So that's the connective tissue we have here. That's as far as that goes. In the present day, um, so Morbius is like helping children and he like has created this synthetic blood and he wants to cure his own ailment, like his own unnamed disease because he says, I, I should have died years ago. It's insane that I'm still alive. I need to cure this now or me and my best friend Milo will both die. Um, so again, he says they should have died years ago. Based on my calculations, he should be about 38 in this movie. And Milo's like maybe a few years younger than him. Like, let's say he's 35. Um, so it just so happens that they both way outlived this disease that's supposed to kill you like years and years and years ago. And his whole motivation for doing these risky experiments is like, I gotta get it done now. I gotta get it done now. But nothing about his ailment is worse than he was as a child. If anything, it seems better than he was as a child because he can like move and stuff. I mean, he has powers, right? That's a little later on. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, You would think that you would want that out there as soon as possible, but um, no, tell tell me about, can can we go into the powers here? Like, how does this come about? Like, uh, I realize he's like sick, but how does that transform into an advantage for Morbius? Oh, 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 it's brilliant. So he, tries to splice human DNA and bat DNA, uh, specifically vampire bat DNA. And they give this science like mumbo jumbo, like, oh, bats, vampire bats are the only species exclusively to learn how to feed on blood, like that kind of thing. So he, um, he goes up to Milo. He's like, hey, Milo, I got this experiment, but it's risky. Are you with me? And Milo like hesitates. He's like, I'm with you. Cut to the next scene. He's on the boat in the middle of the ocean because uh, he says he doesn't want it to be like in any particular uh, waters of any country. Milo is not with him. So, which leads me to the question what was he asking Milo's permission for in that scene? It's like, oh, are you with me? Like, sure. I, I hope you're not waiting for an answer from me. Um, I do have a question about Milo, and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but. Um... Because you said this movie is very predictable. Here's my prediction based on not knowing how it ends. Um, Milo dies, right? There's no way this guy is still alive. <laughs> no, that would be fun. Uh, we'd actually have a <laughs> villain in this villain verse instead of Morbius. Uh, so, Morbius and Morbius's buddy. Okay. Yeah. Daniel Espinosa, the director of this movie, he had a weird line, which again, you probably shouldn't say this about your movie. He says, Milo, it, it's sad that he dies at the end, but it had to happen. That's what makes Morbius who he is. And in upcoming projects, we'll learn how this affects him and how this makes him into the character we all know. Which is weird, because... So you're implying by that that Morbius is not himself whatsoever in this film, and that this whole chapter of this story was totally pointless. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that, that's a good point. That's a complaint I have a lot with a lot of uh, 
movies where they're like, well, it's an arc of movies. Uh, I think that was a problem with the Batman a little bit. It's like, well, you know, he didn't really do anything at all. Like he didn't <laughs> save anyone particularly or accomplish his goal. And then the argument is always, well, there's other movies to do that. Um, but with that being said, and on this topic, um, what's next for Morbius? Like, do you feel like there's <laughs> there's at least an interesting stem here to go into like a trilogy at least? <laughs> That's hilarious that you bring that up because Jared Leto was signed for a Morbius trilogy by Sony before this movie even came out. And I, uh, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I don't think we're gonna get a Morbius trilogy just based on numbers here. I don't feel like Sony's gonna put all their eggs in the Michael Morbius basket here. So I've actually avoided like um, I listened to Robbie's Robbie Freeman's review of this movie, and I saw a TikTok. Those were the two things that I knew post this. But the TikTok was um, was Jared Leto talking about this movie, and he said that it was a box office success. Um, I, I don't know how deep you are into all of that, Nathan, but... Um, oh, I'm deep and, into this. I was and, fascinated by this. It's interesting because I know, like, that can be very skewed based on other movies that come out and the timing and all that stuff. So it's, it's like, I guess from one perspective, maybe you could call it a box office success. But what's your read on, on that? So, okay, so Morbius had a $75 million budget. Now, I don't want to say this, like, don't quote me on this, but I remember seeing a headline uh, before the movie came out that Sony was aiming for this to get $200 million at the Worldwide Box Office on opening weekend. Spoiler, it did not reach that. Um, so, in, so Morbius has a $75 million budget. On average, it's $35 million for marketing and distribution. So on its opening weekend, its domestic box office was $39 million. Its global was $84 million. Now, for reference, um, Venom 2 got $196 million domestic on its opening weekend. So that's almost six times more than Morbius got. And this is not even the most popular Venom movie here. Um, and it's the reason they gave for why they because they kept delaying this movie over and over and over again. They said they didn't want to go against No Way Home, which it had been like a month since No Way Home had been released, but fair enough. So I'm like, you know, let's go look into the No Way Home numbers around this time. No Way Home had a domestic box office of 11 million, and that was over a month after it had been released when Morbius was first uh, selected to be released this year so no way home came very close to beating morbius on its like eighth weekend than morbius on its first not good not good not good uh so yeah no i totally follow you there um it's hard for you to imagine like though sony from their perspective they have a situation where they can leech off, leech off the MCU in any way they can. They they have they have ownership of some property, um, and, and apparently they can tease connective tissue to the MCU whether it's agreed upon or not, which is fascinating. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this. It's uh, I would like to say that hey, maybe Sony will learn their lesson and there will never be another Venom movie. There will never be another Morbius movie. <laughs> 
but at this point, I can't rule anything out. Like I feel like I feel like they're gonna beat this dead horse for as long as they possibly can. I'm not I don't want to mean to imply that Morbius like is a box office like historic bomb or whatever. I'm saying that they'll be lucky to make their money back. Which again, that's not necessarily a bomb. It's not Waterworld. It's not uh John Carter. It's not it's not Speed Racer. It's not one of these. But it's not the money maker Sony was hoping for. And Sony has a weird reputation for expecting way too much out of their movies box office wise. They had the exact same problem with Amazing Spider-Man 2 where they were expecting that to do Avengers numbers for a movie that only had one movie before it. They just have very unrealistic ideas for this kind of thing. So Nathan, I know I'm kind of like, I keep dragging this back to um, what might be important to our audience, uh, the MCU fans. Why would you do that? (laughs) But I am curious, like, is there any thread here that, like, makes the possibility of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire coming back? Like, is there any, is there anything here that we can, like, latch on to? Is there any hope that we can have that um, we might get that, that Spider-Man 3 or Spider-Man 4, like, uh, is, there, is there any element of that here? Well, okay, so Daniel Espinosa, they kept asking him about Spider-Man. And Spider-Man has been outright confirmed. Daniel Espinosa said that Spider-Man is a totem of universes. There's always a Spider-Man in each universe, which is an interesting statement. Um, it, so- it sounds like he has no idea if there's a <laughs> Spider-Man here or not. <laughs> so we'll, let's go with that. They, they have, I think they've confirmed that Spider-Man is here. Um, like, I think for as much as they can confirm anything, like within this movie, I think they're pretty certain that there is a Spider-Man. Now we know for a fact, it's not, um, Tom Holland's cause of the transporting, like, uh, Adrian Toomes transporting. So it's definitely not him. And it, again, deducting this requires logic, which we do not have any certainty that they have, but logically it would make no sense to have a separate venom symbiote in a toby universe so that only leaves either a they're doing like miles morales or something this is like their own sony crappy verse of a spider-man or they're trying to connect this with andrew garfield which i personally would think would make the most sense because he totally fits this quote-unquote universe the best of all of them that's fair. And, and for whatever reason, it does seem like um, if if they're just giving the audience exactly what they want, it seems like the majority would probably go with more Andrew Garfield. So I, I buy into that. Like a lot of the rumors surrounding like the possible reboots of these other Spider-Man franchises, it seems like um, they seem the most hopeful in an Andrew Garfield reboot. And that's possibly what the fans want as well. So that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um Nathan, um, what am I missing here? What 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 else have we? Uh, what what have we not discussed? Is there any like wild thing that we're missing over here? Oh, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> so Morbius gets on this boat, like this shipping uh, freighter, to perform this experiment. Now he just happens, similar to the chopper before, like in Costa Rica. He just knows like a ship full of mercenaries who are willing to perform this illegal experiment with him. And one of the guys, he comes up after he, like, injects himself with a serum. He comes up on him and goes, um, he talks with his assistant. Um, 
and it's this cartoonishly like douchey captain he comes into the lab and she goes oh you're not supposed to be in here it's very dangerous and he goes i could be wherever i want to be ma'am or like lady or something and she goes don't call me ma'am i'm a doctor to which he responds by laughing (laughs) a woman being a doctor and my girlfriend who was watching this with me just immediately goes dead 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 um and she turns out to be right because michael turns into a vampire and eats this guy but not before he pulls out like an uzi from his like coat pocket and like they call on the ship like everyone come on come on deck we have a monster up here and he's like eating everyone and all of these guys just immediately are packing heat they all have these like swat machine guns with like uh light bulbs at the end of them like this is like a war zone even though this is just a random group of guys on a boat um and so michael's killing all these people and even though he's drinking their blood there's no blood uh, just to be clear and then he we another like connective tissue issue here he just suddenly is off the boat early on he's just back in new york with no explanation like theoretically he flew off but they said they were 13 miles off from the coast so he could just fly 13 miles with no practice (laughs) this is very unfortunate to hear um it does lead me to another question though um, is there any point in which Morbius like eats a civilian? Like I, I realize, like in this situation, um, he's possibly eating people that are sexist. I, I don't know, but um, <laughs> th- does he ever like I don't know, like trick someone into an alleyway and and suck their blood? Like is he a traditional vampire, or he's just like uh, happens to be killing guys with guns? So, yeah, that's part of what's so lame about this movie. They they say they want to make a movie about a bad guy, but they never actually have him do anything bad. Uh, he kills off these, like, group of, like, mercenaries. But in dialogue, the detectives say, like, hey, they're guilty of something. It's fine. But what we can't accept is this mother of two children who died from all her blood being drained. Which that turned out to be Milo who did that. And Milo's the one killing all these innocent civilians. And Michael is just living off of, like, synthetic blood and, like, blood from, um, like, blood drives and stuff like that. So he never does anything actually, like, reprehensible here, <laughs> according to the movie. Fair. Um, well, what else do you got for us, Nathan? Where, where, where are we going from here? Uh, I know there's got to be uh, another uh, interesting <laughs> thing to talk about. <laughs> um, so, according to this, he killed eight people and another joke from this one of the detectives say like oh all the people on this boat they all look kind of the same to me they must all shop at the same mercenary supply store (laughs) got him (laughs) it's so funny um (laughs) so a weird habit a characterization of morbius which he does not have many so this is really worth taking note of he loves origami I am not kidding here. He He's constantly making, like, origami, like, uh, animals and all these bats. And one of the big pieces of evidence they use against him is he made an origami bat on the boat, and they find this. Um, and later on, they're in, like, the uh, interrogation room with him, and he's like, So, Dr. Morbius, we found this on the boat. You sure do like your origami, don't you? Or is that just a coincidence? 
Like, no, oh, stop. God. Take it away. Take it away now. I want to know this. The, uh, the, so Michael gets back, uh, and he learns that he has these superpowers, but he doesn't react, like, naturally at all. He's, like, very clinical, like, yeah, I have super speed right now. I can fly. I have sonar vision. Cool. And meanwhile, they're just playing, like, basically the Dark Knight soundtrack. It's almost identical in every way. And to the point to where he's standing in this, like, tube full of bats, and they're all embracing him. It just looks like a shot from Christopher Nolan here. Uh, um, That's a, that, no, I've heard that same complaint. Um, this was, I heard uh, there was some music that was very clearly ripped off. Um, is there any other threads here that just feel like, uh, again, I've mentioned like leeching off the MCU, but leeching off anything else for that matter, like. Um, um, yeah. Again, the jokey joke nature of this in awkward places kind of feels MCU-ish, um, but this is even worse in this case. So like... Um, Milo, he injects himself with a serum, like, all that happens, like, he becomes evil, um, and he kills a nurse with, like, two children, and the detective goes to talk with uh, a woman he's questioning, and he says, the blood was ensanguiated. I looked it up on Google. <laughs> uh, okay. And he says, there's another funny moment, not funny in the way it's intended. He says, sorry for the graphic nature of these photos. And he hands her a bunch of photos, but there's, like, no blood in them at all. There's, like, one, like, small, like, blood stitch right here. Because, again, we're PG-13 here, and we're not pushing that. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Michael, like, he knows he's unstable, and he knows that he could, like break into like a fit of rage and like try to kill anyone at any moment so therefore he keeps his job as a doctor and sits next to this little girl in the hospital overnight and falls asleep uh, again genius right here um and uh he's being interrogated by these detectives and again we've had a lot of jokes in a row here and this is maybe the best one uh they, they remark like oh you look so much better in person doc like, because he's supposed to be crippled, and now he's uh, Jared Leto handsome. And he says, huh, you know, Pilates, it helps. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> so they start chasing him, and he just, like, flat out flies to the top of the roof. And Tyrese Gibson, like, just does not react properly at all. He's like, dang it. And he, like, starts running up the stairway. So Michael, like, basically teleports to the top of the building. And despite this, Tyrese catches up with him at the very top of the building. And he, like, holds him at gunpoint, like, freeze! And, like, Michael, like, goes to jail. And that's how that whole storyline figured out. Um, and then we get another joke when he's being interrogated in prison. Um the Al Madrigal, he brings the detective, he brings in a vial of holy water when he's interrogating him. And Tyrese goes, Holy water? Seriously? And Tyrese says, Hey, man, I'm not taking any chances. It's triple blessed. Good. <laughs> and again, there's a big pause for the uproarious audience laughter there. Um, 
Nathan, um, I, is there any, uh, do we know what type of doctor Michael Morbius is? Like specifically, I know we've mentioned that he is a doctor, but uh, was he a urologist? Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, do, we, do we know his specialty by any means? I would love a villain-centered urologist movie. Like, oh, the nefarious DT could come up with. Like, <laughs> try this for your ED. Um, exactly. So he works with synthetic blood. Um, and again, they knew he should become a doctor because he was good at um, uh, mechanics by fixing that uh, machine. You know, it makes sense, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> so he made, he wins a Nobel Peace Prize for his uh, fake blood that he makes. Um, that scene that I referenced, like with the holy water, in the trailer, they had an alternate take of that joke. It was a fully different joke. And the instead of saying, like, holy what, uh, it's triple blessed, he says, hey, I've seen the Lost Boys. I know how this goes. And Michael Morbius goes, story of my life. <laughs> I can't handle this. I, I, if I, w- <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to watch this movie coming into this, but it has reconfirmed it. Another question I have, because it is interesting you bring up the holy water, is there any other, like, um, I don't know, vampire lore associated with this? Do we get any garlic? Or steak, like steaks or silver bullets. Like, is it is any of that tied to to Morbius? I guess he stabs Milo with like an anti serum that kills him, like in his like chest later on. Wait, he not... died. Milo dies. Yes, he does. I thought he... Oh, okay. I misunderstood you earlier. I thought he survived. Um, no, Milo is dead because he's comically evil, and there's no other way but to kill him. Exactly. Um, yeah, all right. But otherwise, there's a joke later on with him and his love interest where his love interest makes him, like, grab a coffee from, like, the where, like, the sun is lit in the room. And he, like, pretends to flinch. He's like, oh, I'm not that kind of vampire. So that's, like, the only other vampire thing in this. Wow. Uh, a lot, big props to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so... I have to like we've delayed the Milo stuff enough here. I I, I will I will absolutely I would absolutely die if I missed out on the Milo coverage because Matt Smith is easily the highlight of this movie. He is hamming it up to the nth degree. I did not expect this take, so I'm excited to see where else this goes. Yeah, he's a horrible character. Like, there's absolutely nothing to him. He just, he becomes a vampire, and now he's like, oh, I want to kill everyone. Like, it's just such an extent that Matt Smith has outright said that um, he doesn't understand his character. I will read this quote to you. The truth is, I wasn't aware of the great big history of the character in many respects, because the script I was presented with doesn't really delve into the past of him, or indeed the future. And isn't someone else playing him? It's all a bit confusing to me. To be honest with you, I took as my Bible just the actual script, is the honest truth of it. And it was all a bit odd whether I it was me or not. I'm still not quite sure, to be honest. <laughs> So this is him just outright saying, like, yeah, my character makes no sense. Whatever. What am I supposed to do here? And this is fascinating because this is another take I've had on this podcast where one of my favorite things is when they cast a genuine fan of the thing that they're they're portraying. Like, uh, I I, uh, I guess the off the top of my head, we get um, uh, who's who plays Superman? I already I've Henry Cavill. 
Yeah, he plays the Duke in The Witcher, and he's obsessed oh. with The Witcher games. And I'm like, that's so cool. It's so cool that this guy who's been obsessed with this franchise for so long gets to involve himself. And there's examples here and there in, in the MCU as well. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is an example of the exact opposite, where she couldn't give a damn about whether or not uh, where her character comes from in the comics or even where her character is in the actual movies. So um, that is that is terribly damning for somebody that appreciates when a fan can uh, pick up a role. And this guy has clearly not only no concept of possibly the character in the comics, but um, the character that the director has intended. So a little bit of a side note here, but do you think Henry Cavill is the most handsome person to ever play a video game? Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a solid bet right there. It, it's shocking to me, like, with all his muscles and his, like, carved beauty, like him playing a video game. That's just kind of jarring to me. There was, like, a picture I saw where he was, like, unboxing his new gaming PC, but he was shirtless <laughs> and, like, obviously, like, completely chiseled. And I was like, nobody has ever looked this good setting up their gaming PC. And I have a gaming PC, for that matter. Like, it's hard to find someone who's willing to go outside who, like, is as big of a fan as he is. Like, let alone being, like, a Greek god. It's really quite an anomaly. <laughs> um, exactly. So, Milo's the best part of this movie, and it's not close. Um, let me pull... I think I pulled... Uh, okay, so Milo says he starts fighting Morbius for no reason, like, after Morbius breaks out of the jail. And Milo's, like, trying to convince him to do basically nothing. He's like, okay, um, just kill everyone with me. Like, that's basically his plan. And he says, all our lives we've lived with death hanging over us. Why shouldn't they know what it feels like for a change? So, again, his plan is just, okay, let's kill people, Michael. And Michael's like, no, I, I, I'm not insane like you i, I don't want to kill everyone uh, and milo's whole motivation is like he was sick and he was bullied so therefore he wants to kill the world um and milo there's a scene a little later on after he like gets all his vampire stuff he can move now better and he's just killing random people on the street um my girlfriend and i when we watched this she said this upcoming scene was the worst in the movie and I claimed it was the best scene in the movie. And you haven't seen it yet, but based on my description, you could tell me what your opinion is. Um, so Milo is just in the middle of a room, shirtless, and this, like, electronic, like, South African, like, music is playing, like, pop music. And it sounds like they're just saying, have sex, have sex, have sex, over and over and over again. And it's just him, like, dancing seductively for, like, the mirror. It's like, ooh, yeah, yeah, I'm going out in the town, like, that kind of thing. And this goes on for, like, a minute and a half. It is insane. And out of no, it's just totally out of nowhere. And then after that, it's, like, dead serious again. I mean, this sounds like something out of American Psycho, but at least American Psycho had, like, context. Um, <laughs> this just sounds like insanity. The problem with having context is that it wouldn't be my favorite scene if it had context. I just love that the, of all like the crazy stuff that they deleted and like the integral parts of the story that were deleted. No, we have to keep the sexy dance scene in. I mean, you said this was not a sexy movie, so therefore I feel like they had to keep some thread of that in here. Um, 
Otherwise, find Matt Smith sexy. That's a whole nother hill to, uh, to to cross. Do you think Matt Smith has a gaming PC? Um, actually, I wouldn't be shocked. That's the thing with these guys. Uh, you can never rule them out. They they just have a bunch of money and they don't know what to do with it. So, um, so you'll notice with my notes. There's a huge drop-off around the hour mark, and that's because this movie just totally plateaus. I'm telling you, it's the dance scene. The movie just kind of gives up afterwards. So Milo starts killing people. Morbius is... Oh, there's one funny scene with Morbius, actually. One more funny scene. Not intentional. It's a scene where he goes, I am Venom, that, that whole thing. He sees these guys in this coffee shop, like, with uh, $100 bills... Because, you know, everyone pays $100 bills at a coffee shop. Um, and the lady, she's, like, using the marker to tell, and she's like, sorry, it's no good. And they're like, well, that doesn't matter. There's plenty more where that came from. And they pull out this, like, stack of obviously counterfeit, like, $100 bills. And from this, Morbius is just like, oh, I know I can chase them now. So he chases them and tracks them down and, like, beats them up like crazy. And robs them of all their equipment so that he can have, like, a lab now. Um, but again, it's okay because they did crimes. It's okay that he robs them and beats them up. He's not a bad guy, you guys. Well, at least he's a hero, right? I don't know where they got the villain thing from. But hey, he, it sounds like he is a, a generic hero. I, I don't know like. if he's a hero. Like, because he's just cleaning up his own mess. He's like a hero in the same way, like, if you poured, like, coffee on, like... Uh, a target floor like and you cleaning it up like oh michael you're such a hero <laughs> fair um nathan so, where do we uh, yeah what's next here um so michael summons up uh he fights milo they like fight 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 they fight and it's the scene goes on like shockingly a low amount like i did not time this i meant to time this before we got on here it could not have been more than four minutes of fighting it felt this whole movie feels very early 2000s in that way but like this final fight scene in particular it's so lame he summons a swarm of bats because the bats like him now because he's part bat so based on the fact that they don't eat him in his cage he can also now just summon them to distract milo for him and he stabs milo milo's dead the movie's over round of applause i guess uh <laughs> everybody stood up and clapped is what i imagine happened next <laughs> everyone was crying yeah yeah okay well nathan um this was a fascinating discussion um i can't say that i will ever see this movie in my life but i'm glad that i heard about it and nonetheless um what what have we left with here is there any is there any like closing thoughts as far as like the movie or the takeaway or maybe some like dramatic interviews you might have heard um so jared leto had a few weird lines in in his interviews um yeah. which Say what you will about Jared Leto. You can always count on him for those. Um, he described Morbius as elevated horror in one of his interviews. Which Jeez. I could think of two words wrong with that description. Um, he, <laughs> All two. He says something really... Um, did I already give the gem of a script 
quote on here? I don't remember that one. Okay, so he said something about the script. He said, I think it's more common with these big movies. You don't really start with a gem of a script. You start with a hope and a dream and an idea of something. And you all try to work as hard as you can in this given amount of time to make it as good as it can be. That's not how a movie should operate. You're not uh, I really know. inspiring much hope here, buddy. Like, oh, well, it wasn't good, but we tried to make it good. Like, uh, well, there wasn't a script, but um, we had passion. It's like, well, I think you need a little <laughs> bit more than that, my friend. Um, I will say um, that's been like an interesting thing that I've seen from Jared Leto. He doesn't seem to have any sort of regret or like he like he seems like endlessly positive about this entire experience. Yeah, he said, again, not exactly inspiring confidence. He says, I don't apologize for it. I put it up alongside anything else I've done in my life. Which, again, when you have to say you don't apologize for your movie, that, that, that it's not a good sign. Um, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, look, Jared Leto is not my favorite, but um, there are good Jared Leto movies, and I imagine this is not one of them. So He, uh, he apparently went through with his method acting for this. And he like tried to stay like as quote unquote crippled as he could throughout the whole move uh, production, like he would had to like walk on crutches to bathroom breaks, and this apparently caused such a halt in production. Like they were waiting so long for him to pee, that they made a deal with him that they someone would wheel him uh, in a wheelchair to use the bathroom. He was such a stickler on this method acting. This feels like one of those situations where yes, he's acting like um he's doing all of these methods in <laughs> practice but i got a feeling that jared leto went home kicked his feet up had a nice meal in his nice uh million dollar home and, with his cult uh, yeah it's like uh i don't know it just feels a little weird about uh the fact that this man is acting crippled <laughs> like i don't i have a feeling that I have a feeling that uh, you didn't quite get into the role, my friends. So you like Jared Leto as um, in House of Gucci. What else have you liked him in? I, I saw Dallas Buyers Club when it came out, and I barely remember it, but I do remember liking him in that role. Um, I did like him in um, Blade Runner 2049. My issue was there wasn't enough of him. I, I actually felt like there could have been more of him which is something I don't always say for Jared Leto films. Off the top of my head, that's all I got. You defended him as Joker, right? I didn't necessarily defend his portrayal of Joker. I defended the concept of his Joker. I liked that they took a big swing, and they basically reinvented that character. Um, but I don't know that there was much of anything, as far as the performance goes, that was much to defend. I've been very like negative like in talking about this movie but i will say a few things in favor of it um this is gonna sound like damning with faint praise but this movie didn't feel that douchey like there are some bad movies where you get the sense like oh the people who made this is so cynical it's so like mean-spirited i did not get the sense from this daniel espinoza he made life a few years ago the like alien kind of horror movie um I did not know that until this very second, and I I yeah. love life. I love that yeah. movie. Just to be clear, yeah, he uh, 
I think he has a lot of potential as a director. I don't like the direction he took with this movie. I think it's very stale. There were a couple of inventive shots in this. It's a little hard to portray, but he did some cool things with angles in this and lighting. So I appreciate that at the very least. Um, I This is a case I don't fully blame Sony for this. Like, I get that they forced a lot of these things onto him, but he, at the end of the day, a lot of these decisions were his. He chose to make a lot of, like, these editing cuts and these, um, just taking the story in a very stale way. And for that, I do put blame on him. And for Jared Leto, I don't like him that much, but he was fine in this. He was not the issue here. And that that is completely fair. Um, uh, again, I tend to blame the bigger corporation at hand, especially in the hands of just learning now that he directed life. It's like, what could have, like, how'd you mess this one up, my friend? Um, but with that being said, um, it definitely seems like a group failure. Um, but listen, Nathan, I'm really glad that we had this conversation. Is there any like closing thoughts here? Um, so what, what do we take away? Is there any lessons to be learned? There, the best thing to come out of this movie by far is the Morbius sweep trend on Twitter. If you have not seen this, it's been trending for like a week straight. Just hashtag Morbius sweep. And it's people ironically posting support for the movie. Like talking about how it's making trillions of dollars. Everyone in the world likes it. There, It sold billions of tickets already. The trend is amazing. And I highly recommend everyone to look that up. I agree. You 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 pointed this out to me. I checked it out. It is absolutely hilarious. And this is the thing, though, Nathan, that I've warned you about in the past with your Twitter account. Um, a lot of your tweets are ironic and sarcastic. And I, I fear that anybody to stumble across your account would be severely concerned with some of the things you were posting. Uh, Let me pull up my tweet from, from last week. This was before I even saw the movie. Let me see if I can pull this up. Oh, no. I posted support for this movie because I thought it was hilarious that people were doing this. Do you remember this? I do, I do. Yeah, I'm excited for you to share this. <laughs> I will bestow this on all of you. Let's see. We're lucky here today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So this is like the Thursday that this movie came out. I said, you actually helped me draft this because I really wanted it to be retweeted by Sony Pictures. Because this is like the ideal opportunity. You want to like tweet about a movie that's getting a lot of bad reviews. Like I tried the same thing when that crappy Robin Hood movie came out a few years ago. Like just show undying love for it and maybe some studio executive will like be desperate enough to retweet you. Yes. Um, so for this, I said, at Sony Pictures, it is an elite studio for handling comic book movies. Thanks for doing hashtag Morbius Justice. This truly is one of those movies you have to see on the big screen. My audience laughed, cried, and cheered. What they set up for this universe is beyond exciting, at Morbius Movie. <laughs> I, I'm a little shocked it didn't get retweeted, though, to be fair. Yeah, like... Can I at the very least get like a retweet from like the director? That that was another crazy thing. Tyrese Gibbons, who's in this uh, movie, he liked a tweet that was ironically supporting Morbius. It said Martin Scorsese saw Morbius and took back his comments on comic book movies not being true cinema. <laughs> it inspired him to such a degree. <laughs> There's no way that he like thought that was serious, right? 
I think he thought that was serious. I re- legitimately do. Oh no! Oh no! This is sad. Okay. Well, Nathan, let's let's start to close it out here. I, again, I appreciate you bringing this to me and making it clear that I should never watch this movie. Um, <laughs> with that being said, do you want to go into some recommendations here? Um, do I? Here's the thing. Do I have my recommendation? Um, sure. I'll recommend. I'll, I'll I'll start off. I'll let you think on it. Um, this is wild. I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, I've started to rewatch the Harry Potter movies and I started a Sorcerer's Stone. And I just want to say, like, if you haven't and you're like me and you never get like you never truly like looked at them as like a fun franchise. Like I found myself having a lot of fun watching the Sorcerer's Stone and I'm actually looking forward to rewatching all of them. So listen, uh, cynical Harry Potter people out there. Um, you know, put on your, your striped scarves and pull out your wands because Harry Potter's back, baby. And I, I kind of like it right now, which is, I never thought I'd be there. I kind of, I've always hated Harry Potter in a way, but uh, I'm enjoying my current rewatch. So there's my recommendation. Go out, go out and uh, revisit Harry Potter. It's, uh, not half bad. So speaking of Harry Potter, you and I had a bet before this movie came out. Which would have the higher Rotten Tomatoes score, Morbius or Fantastic Beasts 3? You bet on uh, Fantastic Beasts, I bet on Morbius. Morbius is sitting at 17% right now. Um, so uh, good job. I, I, I have a hard time believing Fantastic Beasts 3 will do worse than that. <laughs> Fair. Um, and here's the thing. Um, I'm not rewatching the Fantastic... Or I say rewatch. <laughs> I've never watched them. Therefore, I will never watch them still. So... Uh, what was that, your that favorite not... Harry Potter as a kid? I, I... Again, my memory... Like, I... It's bringing back a lot of nostalgia because I was very into it as it was coming out. Um, was I even, like, old enough to care about which one I liked the most? I don't know. I feel like I like Chambers' secrets a lot, though. Yes, I'll go me with that. too. Yeah. Me too. That was I don't know favorite. if it holds up. I'm excited to see if it does. Um, but I had a bunch of the Lego sets, and I was all about it, so. <laughs> you turn it on, there's, like, so much bigotry in it. Like, so many, like, uh, <laughs> George Bush uh, pro-political takes on it. You're like, oh, this doesn't hold up well at all. <laughs> I mean, it would be the first time that I tried to revisit a nostalgic movie and was highly disappointed. So, what, what, um, like, what other examples come to mind? Oh boy, um, I might let me think on this. And Nathan, I'm gonna throw it to you for your for your recommendation here, but I need to think on what are some big childhood loves that I no longer love. It's probably a lot of Marvel movies, though. Um, I have to recommend a movie from last year. It stars Gerard Butler. It's insane. It's cop shop. It's uh, gory. It's fun. It's goofy, but also is very like dignified. Like the characters in the movie take it seriously. It's just a situation that's kind of absurd. It's very suspense filled. The characters are all fantastic. It's like extremely action packed. It's beautifully shot. Highly, highly recommend. It's also a very easy watch. Like, it's just very, very engaging the whole way through. It's not like one of, like, an art movie that you're going to have to, like, really sit down and think about. You could just enjoy the bloodshed, the bullets, the murder. The psychopaths are all in this building together. It's great. 
You've recommended? Is it streaming anywhere? Because I know Let you've me... recommended. It. I think it wasn't at the time when you recommended. You would it. love this movie. I know uh, I like, would. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to. Uh, I'll I'll find you. I don't think it's streaming. It's on Peacock Premium subscription. So for um, the two Peacock subscribers out there, yeah, good luck with that. I think the two Peacock subscribers also were the two to go see Morbius. Uh, yeah, they're no longer. Li- I told them to bow out a while ago. Um, <laughs> So I, you did ask me what it, I did. I did come up with a good example. Um, the Jack Black King Kong movie was one what? of my favorite I, movies. I, I love you still that movie. like it? Yeah, I do like it. I think I because I was maybe like 21 when I rewatched it again. And I'm 20, almost 28 now. So it's been a while again since I've seen it. But I remember watching it at the time. I was like, oh, this is just it's very like. It's very produced. It's very produced. It's very overproduced in my mind. Like a lot of it just feels like very soap opera y to me. And I don't know. Is it, and maybe the problem is like I'm a massive Skull Island fan now and like nothing will ever compare. Therefore, um, I can't love that King Kong the same way. So I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a third try here. I think Kong Skull Island might. I'd be interested to see like, and it has to be movies like post 2000 which movies have pushed the pg-13 rating the most because for the life of me i still think kong skull island has to be up there like there's so much death and like brutal murder in that movie you mentioned it earlier and i didn't even think that that was a pg-13 movie (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um yeah you brought that to light to me today um but again maybe that's my other recommendation go watch kong skull island so it's so fun it's such a fun movie and if while you're at it, watch um, Jordan vote Roberts interviews about it because that man is a character unto himself, and he just clearly loved making a monster movie. And all his interviews is like, it's awesome. Kong is destroying stuff. It, it, he's fantastic. It's like just me with my action figures as a kid. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Nathan, uh, we'll start to close it out here, but I want to give you the opportunity. First and foremost, thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. I had um, so but much I want... fun researching. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to give you the opportunity now to tell people where they can find you online or what else you're up to. Okay, so my project is incredibly niche. It's a niche audience for a niche audience. Um, I am covering Survivor Angelica, the fan-made um, live reality game for uh, uh, live reality games on YouTube. I should probably know their uh, channel name in hindsight. <laughs> um, and you could also follow me at good underscore ripples on Twitter. It's a long story for that. Um, you've actually roasted me for my, um, my at before, right? You're not a fan. Um, I, I've seen worse. If I did, what, what, it was, what's me. your at? It's the Michael O'Rear. Okay. That's good. It's better than good ripples at least. I, I think I think if anything, it's like the more simple, the better, the more like to the point. Um, I honestly feel like everybody's at should be something involving their name. But if you don't, at least don't make it like, I don't You have one underscore, right? Yeah. That's the limit. No more than one underscore. No, like. Uh, <laughs> don't make don't it get... like an Xbox cheat code here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so no, no, go, uh, good ripples. I'm happy with it. If I roasted you in the past, I apologize. It's actually not bad. So. Okay. Um, and fair warning, if you follow me on there, most of what I say is not meant to be taken seriously at all. <laughs> so when I post another positive Morbius review, you, you'll know. You'll be in on the joke. 
I can't wait for your tweet about Morbius 2, Too Fast, Too Morbius. <laughs> that um, was another great thread today. Someone was naming all the Morbius sequels. My favorite was Forbius. <laughs> I, I, I saw one. It was a TikTok. It was like, Sony has released their next five movies. And it was like, it was like uh, Morbius 2, Too Fast, Too Morbius. That was the one. And then it was like, it was, it was Spider-Man 3, 2... The sequel to Spider-Man Three with Tobey Maguire, and then it was, and then it was Venom. Let there be Ant-Man. <laughs> what was some of the other ones? Ah, that's all I'm, I'm still someday want there them to just have the balls to do Fantastic Four, and then have the sequel be Fantastic Four Two, and add 38 new characters in the roster. <laughs> like if uh, James Gunn were directing, like he would go for it. Exactly, and we need him on that ASAP. Um, yes. All right, Nathan, let me go ahead and close this out here. Um, again, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This is completely unhinged and I loved every bit of it. Um, but uh, let's see, where are we? Where, where's my closing notes? I would like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. I also like to tell you guys to subscribe because we're here every single week. Right now, we're currently covering Moon Knight. We got uh, Kenobi coming up after that. And also, every now and then, we do a crazy-ass podcast, like a Morbius recap. Um, also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod. And if you check our show notes, we also have some merch, which Nathan is kindly championing tonight. A fun little baseball tee. It'll get you all the ladies or men. Yes. Um, also, ask us for a Discord link because we got a little community going on, and we'd love to have you. Um, but that's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.